Hi, welcome back to Unsolved South. <laughs> Hope everybody had a great week. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm Maddie. And Maddie, do you need to say anything up front before we get started? I don't know. Your frogger might be behind me. I'm kind of <laughs> scared to look. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of stories today, so... Um, well, I have a lot of people to cover. Most of the stories are kind of slack, but we're going to finish up in Aiken, South Carolina, and Richmond County in Georgia. So, if you're ready, let's get started. And this is part four. Part four. Yas, I'm excited. All righty. So, if we don't get murdered by the frogger in here, we're going to mm. get it done. All righty. So... We're going to start with 35-year-old Marquez Lavoy Nunley. He went missing from his Augusta, Georgia home on the 2400 block of Dublin Court on February 4th, 1999. And he has not been heard from since. His mother says that he had an issue with drugs, which I hesitate to say because I think people automatically write off people when you hear they're on drugs, you're yeah. not looking as hard. But um, it also may mean that he may be alive and living homeless somewhere, so he may need help. Um, also, somebody might look somewhere they normally wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, like soup kitchen or something. They thought he... You know, something had happened to him. They may not look like that was the dog. Okay. Okay. So, Marquez is a black male, 5'3", 145 pounds, black hair, brown eyes, no known distinguishing marks. But I do have a picture of him, so that's good. And that's all the information? That is the end. I told you, several of them are slack. That's... It makes me sad every time. It I does. told Billy, I'm like, you better know some stuff if I go missing. Gotta like, know how something. Not know nothing. I mean, I guess they was that didn't live together. I was grown. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I feel like you'd know something about me. Well, I mean, but I wouldn't know where you were. Like if you disappeared yesterday, unless you were posting on social media. But you media. knew where I went. I knew where you weekend. went, but I didn't know. Like I could have thought you decided to stay an extra day. or... We almost decided to stay an extra day. See? That's what I would have thought. Because yeah. I know you so well. I wouldn't have known what you were wearing. True. I know what your car is. So. And you would have known the general area I was. Yeah, I'd have known like between here and there. But like, I don't know. Did you take back roads? Did you take interstate? I mean, I could have tracked you on uh, 360s. So. Yeah. So, I could have done that. But this was in 99. I don't even know if that was a thing back then. I don't think so. so. All right. So, now we have Mary Alice Dixon, who was last seen alive on March 21st, 2002. She was in New Ellington, South Carolina when she was last seen. Miss Mary Alice was 86 years old at the time. She's a black female, 5'5", 105 pounds. She may be wearing her hair in braids, or okay. she may have been at the time. She was last seen around 3.30 walking down Highway 278 and Highway 19. And at she 80? Was, yes. By herself? Yes. And she was walking towards Barnwell, South Carolina. She was wearing an orange shirt 
and gray pants and she had on a blue gray jacket and she was carrying her little white handbag. Was she known to walk by herself? She was showing signs of Alzheimer's. Okay. And she also um, was being medicated for some other health issues. Mm -hmm. Her family held out hope for a really long time that they would find her, but um, that was 20 years ago. And yeah. so, and she was 86 then, so I, I don't know that that's still the case. They refused to hold a memorial for her because they said that that would mean that she was really gone. But then at some point later on, they said they believed that she had just been lifted into heaven. They never found a, a sign of her. Yeah. So that brings us to September 3rd, 2003, with 34-year-old Lisa Marie Shuttleworth. She lived in Aiken, South Carolina, mm -hmm. and um, well, she was in Aiken, South Carolina. Let's go on and get a description on her so we'll know who we're looking at, because this one I actually have a story for. Oh, good. Lisa is a white female. She stands 5'3", 102 pounds, so she's tiny. Yeah. She has tiny. brown hair, blue eyes. Her ears are pierced. She has a slight overbite. She has a small scar below her belly button. Her right foot is slightly smaller than the left, and her right big toe is a lot smaller than the left big toe. Wow, they know a lot about her feet. Uh, they know a lot about her, and I'm going to tell you that Lisa Marie has the pictures every missing person should have. Like, I just selected a handful of the pictures. Yeah. But she had pictures. She had pictures from the side. She had pictures from dead on. She had, like, glamour shot looking pictures. She had, like, candid pictures. They had pictures. So, good for them. She was last seen wearing a t-shirt that was possibly pink and it had writing on it and pink or gray sweatpants and no shoes. Okay. Lisa was recently divorced and she was the mother of two living on Miller Street in Beach Island, South Carolina, which we've discussed before is neither a beach nor an island. She was living with her 14-year-old daughter and 9-year-old son at the time. September 4th, 2003 was an average day. She got up, she cooked her son breakfast, and drove him to school. Her daughter had stayed with friends the night before, so she wasn't home. On the way to school, she mentions to her son that she's going to be seeing a friend that day, but she didn't say who. And then about 7 a.m., her daughter called and wanted to discuss the ride situation for after school. She wanted to go home with some friends again. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, she didn't need a ride from school and she wasn't going to be on the bus. She was going to just ride with friends. Her mom says, that's fine. Lisa drops her son off at school. She goes, she makes a, a stop at a convenience store called the Pit Stop on Pine Log Road in Aiken. Mm -hmm. She was in her... Blue-green 1994 Pontiac Grand Am. And I'm going to guess that's teal green because that was a super popular color back then. <laughs> yeah. So that's my guess on what color that actually is. She appeared like she was she was at the gas station, but she appeared like she was sitting in the car. It was idling, and it looked like she was reading something. 
Um, some acquaintances actually saw her at the gas station, so they do know it was her. Okay. So the information here gets a little iffy because on some of the sources, it said that she was in a car she had borrowed. But that was her car. Yeah. And the witnesses said they saw that car. The car she borrowed was white. So we'll come back to that. Was it the same, like, make and model? All anybody said about the other car was it was white. So my guess is it was like a nondescript nothing car. We'll come back to that, too. (laughs) Um, She goes home. She calls from her home. She calls a friend, the one she had borrowed the car from, and they lived like just on in the same neighborhood. That was about 10 a.m. She talks to him, and then she tells him she's expecting company, but she doesn't say who. And later on, he called her back, and she didn't answer. She usually would have been home when her son got off the bus, and this day she wasn't. And so when he got off the bus, he tried to get into the house. He couldn't. So he went to the friend's house, um, the one that the car was borrowed from. Yeah. Okay. So he stays there with the friend. Well, the daughter starts trying to call. She probably wants something like daughters do. And she keeps calling and calling, and the mom's not answering. So finally, she gets worried. She calls her grandparents, who are Lisa's parents. And she's like, I can't get in touch with my mom. I don't know, you know, what's going on. Nobody's answering the phone at home. So the grandparents get her, and they all go to the house. And they go in, and nothing is disturbed. They... Nothing is out of the way. Nothing. There's no sign of forced entry. Nothing. It looks like she was there and stepped out the door, intended to come right back. There has even been tea made, and there was a rag around the handle of the teapot that she had used for, like, a pot holder. Yeah. And it was still sitting on the teapot on the counter. Hmm. So, apparently, she had just made tea. Was the tea hot still? No. Okay. Her license was there, but her purse was missing. Was either car there? And why was she borrowing a car? Both cars were in the driveway, but there was no sign at all of her. Why was she driving a car, or why was she borrowing a car? Was hers messed up or something? No, because she drove it to take her son to school that morning. Yeah, but I was... Why did she need another car? Okay, so we'll get into this now. That's a very good question, and I personally can only come up with one reason, but that could be because I'm shady. So, I would only borrow a car if I intended to follow someone and didn't want them to see me, or if I intended to go somewhere and didn't want people to see my car. You're very sketch, because I would have never thought of that. What the only time I would have borrowed a car would be if my car wasn't working. Okay, if but you I would not to borrow fix- a car in that case. You would have said, can I get a ride, because you got to get your car fixed. So yeah. you would have dropped your car at the shop and got a ride back. True. Now, you may have borrowed the car to take get your kid from school or take your kid to school, but she drove her car yeah. to take the kid to school. So well, apparently her thing- car was working fine. 
Another thing would be if I needed to pick something up that wouldn't fit in my car. Okay, but it does say car. It did not say truck and it did not say SUV. Okay. It did say car. Now, it did not say what type of car. Mm-hmm. So they could have just been calling it a car when really it was an SUV. Yeah. So that is a possibility. And the third reason that I can come up with, not that it's plausible in this case, but if my car was not reliable and I needed to go on a trip somewhere, that's another reason I would borrow a car. Right. But her car, she felt like was reliable enough because to she drove it to school. school. Yeah. So if you felt like it could break down in any minute, you probably wouldn't drive your kid to school. Anymore. Right. So I personally, if I did not want somebody to see me, to recognize, and her car probably was fairly recognizable. Yeah, being as a, teal. Yeah, and, and you know, a grand dam. Yeah, I mean, at the time, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel like it would have kind of stood out Yeah, enough. You know, like my car, I'm not following anybody in my car because it stands out too much. Oh, no. I have to borrow, <laughs> you know, like my mama's car. Yeah. Because nobody's going to recognize no. it. No. And, I mean, I don't know. And that could be, like I said, because I'm shady. Because people I know are shady. Because the last time somebody borrowed my car was for something like that. Not my, my car, my car. But um, another car that's more nondescript than I have. <laughs> did um Did the friend say how long she was supposed to borrow the car for? Or how long she had planned to borrow it for? No, and but my theory was that's why they were calling. Was this was the... to be like you know what's up with the car? Yeah, and um, which was another thing. Why if would you have swapped cars? Yeah. Okay, so like um, like you needed to borrow the truck or something one day, and so then you left your up. car. Mm-hmm. For us to use while you use the truck. Yeah. I mean, and that makes sense. But she just had them both, which is weird. But we have no idea. We're just, you know, it's all conjecture at this point. I'm just saying because I'm shady. That's what. I mean, and that makes sense. I never would have thought of that. Because I guess I'm not shady. I don't need to follow anyone around. You may need to one day and you'll have to keep it in mind. I I sure hope not. Go with a nondescript car. I sure hope I never need to follow anybody around. Well, you may need to go somewhere you don't want anybody to see. You may go to, uh, like, the toy store or something, and you don't want nobody to see you. There. <laughs> I got a great story for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My stepdad listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, Randy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. All right. Let, so. me tell, let me tell it. Well, let, or me are we finish, in the let me finish okay. this story and then you can uh, tell it real quick. If you want. <laughs> okay. So Lisa's mother calls the police and you want to guess what she was told? You got to wait 24 to 48 hours. Correct. <laughs> and so she waited the 24 hours before she could file a report, which I mean, she did the next day. Yeah. And that is no longer a thing. And this was in the 2000s. So it so should not have been a thing. Wasn't but, a thing. Okay. Um, the police did search, and they even searched several of her friends' houses and cars. And they did it on a strictly voluntary basis. 
they never served a search warrant or anything. They just said, hey, do you mind if we search your car and your house? And they were like, sure, come on in. And so they said that everybody was 100% cooperative, but there were never any real leads. And there were a lot of rumors, mostly that she had just run off on her own and she just ditched out her kids, I guess. Mm. The police did investigate them, but they said they really felt like people were just wasting their time because there was absolutely no evidence that she would have walked away from her life or her kids. So, that's that. She basically disappeared into thin air. She did. But she did say twice that she was expecting to see mm-hmm. somebody and there was no sign of forced entry which does lead you to believe she just let somebody in yeah so but there wasn't two teapot teacups was there nobody said anything about any teacups honestly just that she must have pulled it off but okay so if you're making tea your tea's starting to go or you know you think it's about to somebody knocks at the door you grab it sit it on the counter go answer the door it's not yeah you know it wasn't even necessarily done at the time true so but that's uh that's all we got on that man that's crazy because she legit just disappeared and if she would have said one time i'm meeting my friend bob then we would have a lead would have had a lead yeah and if you think to mention i'm gonna meet up with somebody or whatever i mean maybe not to your kid but to the neighbor you you know maybe throw out a name yeah so but she mentioned it twice to two different people so it it seems like I don't know. She was either excited to meet this person. It seems like it was probably a guy Mm -hmm. that she, you know, was excited to meet up with and she just wanted to tell somebody. Yeah. And you know how you get, you don't want to oversell it and then, you know, it don't work out, but she was recently divorced and her ex just so, um, just to throw it out there. He did not have much to do with the kids after they divorced, even though he did not live that far away. And her parents wound up taking custody of the kids Mm -hmm. um, with his consent, and then he just continued his visitation schedule. So he was not really a suspect in their divorce, really. I mean, it was over, so. Yeah. He wasn't fighting for the kids. Or anything like that. He and he just wasn't didn't trying to get around. back with her or anything. He doesn't seem that way. So, um, I do want to say something else because the daughter mentioned that shortly after, I, I think it was about a year or so after she disappeared, there were remains found mm-hmm. in the general vicinity of where they lived. And people started calling her offering condolences as soon as the remains were found. Oh, my God. And, like, okay, so I'm sure I like to think that some of them meant well. Yeah. And were just, like, oblivious to other people. I hate that. And some of them I just think were being nosy as hell. And they're like, oh, I want to know what's happening. Let me call and see if I can get any details. But, like, it ain't going to kill nobody to let the police identify the body before you start. And she, I don't think, even realized the body had been found yet. 
Oh my god. And so people were like, um, oh, sorry about your mom. I heard they found her. And and it was like first she's hearing of it is the way I understood it. Oh my god. And so like maybe you could let the police do the identifying to the family or something. Just maybe that would not hurt you if that's what you did. <laughs> so that if you ever know somebody go missing, don't do that. That's ridiculous. People are thoughtless as hell sometimes. Yeah. So, you want me to do one that's not, uh, I would ain't this one. <laughs> Did you want to tell your story now or wait? I don't know, it's kind of like a, a hard note to leave and then you go to a sex store real quick. <laughs> okay, let's wait and I'll Okay, tell you. it wasn't that big of a deal. What okay, happened okay. was, we went, me and Noah went to the sex store and uh, it was right near our house, and this was when our friends still lived around the area. Um, and I was still driving the Honda, and the Honda broke down <laughs> at the sex store. And so I was like, "Toy store." Okay, sorry, the toy store. He woke this baby up, yelling the S word. Sorry. If he finds the passy, then he's good. Anyways, so it broke down. So we were at the toy store. And every time I want to, every time I say toy store, I want to say toy story. <laughs> so, so we were at the toy store, we broke down and I was like, oh my God, we just broke down at the toy store. How embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, who do we call? Because usually I would call my dad in this situation <laughs> and I'm not doing that and I'm not calling your family. So, luckily, our friends, Ryan and Randy, were still living in town at the time. And we're like, hey, what you doing? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we're just, oh, we're about to go out to eat or something. And we're like, will you come help us? <laughs> they're like, sure. <laughs> and so, he sent them the uh, address and uh, they show up and they're laughing. They get out of the car and they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> so embarrassing. So embarrassing. Okay. So next up, we have Deborah Fortunato Deal. And she's a 48-year-old woman. She's a white female, 5'6", 170 pounds. She has black hair, brown eyes, and her friends call her Debbie. Debbie. On March 24th. Wow, we just had March 24th. Well, not at the time of this recording. This is probably Easter. Yeah. Isn't it? Close to Easter? Yeah. Happy Easter, guys. Yeah, this is probably... We're recording this in advance. <laughs> yeah, this is probably after Easter. Because one of us gets to go on vacation. It's me, it's me. Madeline just came back from the beach. Don't let her lie. <laughs> I did come back from the beach. It so, was I did not put a year. I guess I had lost leave of my senses. So, we'll see if I say a year at some point. If not, I mean, I don't know. It was back in the early 2000s. On March 24th, Debbie and her husband, John, got into an argument at their Woodbine Drive home in Augusta, Georgia. During the argument... John decided to leave, and Debbie yelled at him that if he left, she would not be there when he got back. He did not believe her and left anyway. But according to him, she was a woman of her word, and she was gone when he got back. 
<laughs> John didn't think it was important enough to let anyone know that she had left or else he thought he had to wait 768 hours to report someone missing. How many days is that? Uh, that's also incorrect, though, by the way. He did not report her missing, but her daughter did on April 25th, almost an entire full month. My birthday. Later. Um, okay, here's the thing, though. <laughs> if, if that, if, okay, if the roles were reversed, and she said... If you leave, you ain't. If I won't be here when you get back, uh huh. I don't think that I would count her as a missing person immediately, either. A whole month, you wouldn't tell nobody. She She's was probably mad at me. Oh no, we'll see. Anyway, uh, we'll see if you still keep that same energy when I'm done with the story. I mean, we'll see if you keep that same energy when I'm done. Okay. Police question, John. And they get his thoughts and theories on what happened to Debbie. On May 1st, they bring him in for a polygraph. And he allegedly used countermeasures to pass the test or at least not fail. And they caught on and they deemed the test results inconclusive. Then on May 5th, the police had been watching Debbie's bank account because every month she had money deposited in. Mm -hmm. And they saw no other movement on any of her bank accounts. So she's been gone since March, and this is May. She had to have had money to live off of. And if she just walked off on her own, she'd be using her own money, right? Right. So um, they also have no other leads or evidence at this point. And since she's been gone so long with no word, no word to her family, and she's not using her own money, Investigator Fanning of the Richmond County Sheriff's Office decides they were most likely looking at a homicide. And he executed a search warrant on the couple's home, and he questioned John again. On May 7th, investigators searched the hard drives of John and his employer's computers. And on those hard drives, they find search results on how to pass a polygraph, uh, how long it takes a body to decompose, and a bunch of serial killer websites. So hold up one second. Let me go clear my history because it is nothing but serial killers and crimes. <laughs> so let me, y'all just give me a sec. Hold up. <laughs> yeah, this guy's looking pretty sketch right about now. Okay, so on May 9th, they bring in cadaver dogs and they go through the apartment, mm -hmm. but they don't find nothing. So then they decide to expand the search on May 23rd to include all the areas around their home and to search Lake Olmstead. Mm -hmm. And then they offered a $2,000 reward. So on, this is 2006. I did put a date. On July 4th, that same year, I'm 24th, my bad, July 24th, that same year, 2006, Police find out that uh, old Johnny boy has done moved to Simpsonville, South Carolina to live with his ex-wife. Ooh. This is July. She went missing in March. Ooh. Okay. So, um, that seems like 
Melissa. So, also the fact that he did have his tra- his probation because he was on probation for a drug offense. Mm-hmm. He did have his tro- probation transferred, but he didn't tell the police. Like he wasn't out here like sending out address cards and stuff. He just kept it real quiet. Yeah. And, like, went in the night. But he did have his probation transferred so they couldn't get him. Huh. So, I mean, he's dumb, but he ain't that dumb. Allegedly, he's dumb. Uh, (laughs) On February 5th, 2007, so we're in the next year. No, you said 2005. Six. Six. Hey. No, I, uh, I said the wrong date, maybe. Baby Kate's, Baby Kate's in here co-hosting, and he's uh, not thrilled with it. But he didn't want to be with his best good friend, Zane, so... No, he just wants to cling to Mama right now. He's got a double ear infection, and he's getting tubes in, so... Yeah. He's uh, very upset. Yeah, well, he'll already had them by the time this airs, so... Barely. It'll be like the day after. It's like, is it getting done on a Wednesday? I thought it was a Tuesday. Yeah, you're right. You're Wednesday. right. I don't know. I'm, I'm lost on which one we're on. <sighs> okay, so February 5th, 2007, John gets arrested by Greenville County Sheriff's Office in South Carolina for some break ins that happened at two local businesses back in October of 06. The police really, really hoped that this would open up some tips on Debbie's case, but nothing really changed. And if the original fight didn't clue in, Debbie and John's marriage was troubled, to say the least. There were at least four domestic violence reports in the year prior to her disappearance. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And Debbie had claimed that one during one of those instances, he had threatened to kill her. I have pics of Debbie, and yes, all three are the same person, and you'll see when I post the pics, but apparently she was having a little rough patch, and um, so I posted them all because I think that was her most recent pic, and you would not recognize her if you saw her somewhere Mm -hmm. from the other two. So you got thoughts or theories on that? You still keeping that same energy? No, no, no. This was before I knew he killed her. Okay? We don't know if he killed her. He killed her. Allegedly. I'm telling you, he allegedly Allegedly killed her. her. Okay, allegedly he killed her. Dead. Allegedly. All right. I mean, it was true. If he left, she wasn't going to be there when he got back. True that. Because he took her somewhere. True that. And dumped her body. Allegedly. Allegedly. Okay, so then this area didn't have no um, disappearances or anything for six years. Wow! What happened in that six years? No clue. Maybe they just didn't make a list or I don't know. On March 12, 2012, Marion Marquez Williams was last seen leaving his residence in the 200 block of Bandelier Road in Richmond County, Georgia. This is around 5 p.m. Marion was 19 at the time of his disappearance. He's a black male, black hair, brown eyes. He's 5'11", 
5'8", and he weighed 196 pounds. We do have a good picture of him, which is great because we don't have any information on which to search. That's it? That's it. But we got how does How do you not know nothing about a 19-year-old? Where is your family? I don't know. Maybe they weren't home. Maybe they were at work. Yeah, but you don't know, like, nothing about your 19-year-old's day-to-day? I mean, but what are you going to know? Like... He has baseball practice at this time? Well, I don't think he was in school. I mean, he was planning on this is where he worked or this is the crowd he hung out with, something. Oh, I would definitely be sharing some stuff, but I'm just saying. I don't know. I mean, he's 19. He may have just gone out on his own. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this one is going to be another one with uh, very little information, sadly. And I actually, this this lady looks super familiar to me. And I thought I worked with her. But I double-checked with um, Elaine and Becky and them. Yeah. And they did not believe it was her. And I'm going to defer to them because even though I vividly... <laughs> I think I remember her working there. You're not very good with faces. Exactly. Neither am I, though. (laughs) So, I'm going to defer to them, and they say this is not the same lady. But in any case, (laughs) this is uh, Jean Bird Smith. She's a white female, 5'8", weighs... Okay, so one source said 205 pounds, and one source said 130 and that's like a huge difference. Yeah, that's so like I'm not a lot. I'm not sure. She has gray hair and blue eyes and Miss Jean was suffering from Alzheimer's. Okay. On July 13th, 2015, 70-year-old Jean climbed out the bedroom window of her house and this was around 7 p.m. She forgot how to use the door? You know what I think? I'm going to pause in the story, I'm gonna come back to it and we'll start that part over again when I come back to it. But you know what I think sometimes yeah. is that when people get Alzheimer's, they kind of revert back to teenagers. Mm. And she's like she's like sneaking out of the house at night, like uh, she's going to meet somebody or something. Yeah. So I wonder if like in her mind she is like sneaking out to go to a party or something. Maybe. Like the other woman didn't want to go back to the nursing home. You remember we talked about her? Yeah. And then she is like, I don't want to go back. And her daughter's like, you got to go back, but I'll come pick you up right after. And then she was like, well, I'm not staying here. I'm running away. And then she ran away from the nursing home. Yeah. I, it kind of strikes me like maybe they revert back to teenagers. Like my grandma, when she got Alzheimer's, she was just nutballs. She was nutballs but (laughs) if we got time i'll talk about that but she ain't do stuff like this she did like she went nutballs anyway but miss jean climbed out the bedroom window about seven o'clock and she walked away from her cumby trail ridge road mm, cumby trail road in ridge Springs, south carolina (laughs) That was a mouthful. You are not joking. And that's in Aiken County. 
Her family searched for her for a little while before they called police, which is understandable because, you know, you think she's kind of old. How far could she have gotten? Yeah. But uh, that's probably not the case. Because that's another thing that makes me think they went to teenagers mm-hmm. in their heads. Yeah. Because because they seem to get around good all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they did call the police, and the police came out with about 50 people on their search team. They brought dogs. They brought four-wheelers. They looked everywhere. Did not find her. She was wearing light blue pants and a green fleece vest. She had an electronic device, like a phone or something. They said some sort of electronic device, so I assumed a phone. But she did not have it on her, so they could not track it. That's all on Miss Jean. Man, that sucks. I know. Willie James Riley, he has kind of a weird story, but it also has very little information. But it's a, a weird story. So, his nickname is Pee Wee, and he's a black male, 5'7", 132 pounds. Black hair, um, black and gray hair, and brown eyes. On November 29th, 2015, at about 3 a.m., Willie called 911 to report a fire inside his residence on the 2200 block of Castell Street, Castell Street in Augusta, Georgia. The firefighters rushed to the scene. They got there. They go in, and they discover no evidence of a fire. So, there is no fire. Okay. After the firefighters leave, Willie is seen... Now, remember, he called at 3 a.m., so this is the middle of the night. He was seen walking away from his residence with his Chihuahua Ike. That was the last time Willie was seen ever. Ike, however, was found two weeks later on the 3300 block of Peach Orchard Road, which was about four miles away from where they lived. Really? Yes. And he was fine? Yep. Hmm. So, those are kind of busy roads. Peach Orchard especially is, um, I know at one point it's like two on each side and the turn lane in the center. So, I mean, it's it's a big road for most of it. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy. Yes. Um, also, the fact that he called 911 and said there was a fire in his house, but there wasn't. That makes me wonder if maybe he was suffering for some kind of dementia or something like that. Yeah. Or did he smell smoke and panicked? And then maybe he was like, well, Ike, I don't believe the fireman because I know I smelled smoke, so let's us go for a walk and we'll come back. And then something happened. It's the middle of the night. Maybe maybe he got, I don't know, hit and run. It was yeah, cold. Yeah, I feel like they would have found his body. Yeah, probably. I don't know. You got thoughts or theories? I don't know. Aliens. Okay. 
This is the one I've been waiting on. All right. Because I got a thing for this one. Shirley Elizabeth Butler is a story that has a weird, weird twist. Okay. I'm excited about telling y'all about this. Let's go on and get a quick description of Shirley. She is a 53-year-old black female at the time of her disappearance. She's 5'5", 180 pounds. Okay. Black and graying hair and brown eyes. Shirley suffered from bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and diabetes. Okay. Shirley was last seen leaving her residence at the 400 block of Sambar Ferry Road in Augusta. This was at about 8 a.m. on December 31st, no, December 30th of 2015. There are not a lot of details in this case. Okay. Shirley was having a heated argument with her husband about one of them staying gone for several days, but we don't really know which one. I don't know if she had stayed gone and he was mad or he had stayed gone and she was mad. But one of them had been gone for several days and the other one was mad and they got into a heated argument. She got mad and she stormed off. Mm -hmm. Shirley was not reported missing until she had been gone for a few days. So some sources list her date of last contact as January 4th, 2016. Yeah. Um, but that's only a couple, because this was December 30th. And then January 4th, it's less than a week later. So yeah. that's kind of like what you were talking about with John and Debbie. You know, she got mad and left. And at first he was like, I don't think she's missing. And then he's like, yeah. Maybe something, you know, she usually yeah. calms down and comes home by now. And she hasn't. So, I'm going to go ahead and report her missing. Which he did. So, that lends more credibility to him, in my opinion. Shirley also sometimes went by the name Shirley Cruz. And she liked to hang out in downtown Augusta. Okay. So, I hear everybody out there yelling. So, what's the twist, Heifer? Tell yeah. us. Okay, so I'm going to tell y'all. Y'all calm down. Okay, so like we discussed a little bit earlier, I am famous for not being able to recognize faces. Right. So, um, and I'm probably, I've said that before, but I legit cannot remember a face. No. But when I saw Shirley's pick, I was like, I swear I've seen her before. Okay, so I did say that with Miss Jean a minute ago, but I still swear I've seen Miss Jean too. Because <laughs> it's just these two, it's not, um, it's not like it's all of them, right? Right. But this woman super stuck out, and I was like, man, I swear I've seen her before. So I start thinking, well, I'm local, so maybe I saw her like on a missing persons case or something, but honestly, I ain't really done a whole ton. Of trying to put her case out there. Yeah. So, I was like, I don't think it's that. So, I'm thinking on it. I'm thinking on it. And then it hits me. Back when we did the Keith Stiberski story, mm -hmm. I was looking because I felt like it was a, a decent chance. He could have been alive, but if he was having a mental health break. Yeah. That he could have been alive, but not known who he was. 
And so I checked the list of people that are alive but unidentified. And I had seen this woman on there, and she called herself China Black. Mm-hmm. And she made this face in her shot when they was trying to get a picture of her to get her identified. She kind of made this smirk on the picture. Yeah. And it chuckled me because she would not tell them who she was and she just called herself China Black. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, for some reason she stuck out to me. It, it chuckled me a little bit. And so I'm like, I, I think this is that woman. And so I went back and looked. And I really didn't expect it to look anything like her. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought in my mind, I'm just crazy. <laughs> so I go look and I'm like, oh, hold up. Shirley looks a lot like China Black. Yeah. And so um, I compared the pictures and I was like, this legit does look like her. And so thing was that China Black was a double amputee. She had her legs cut off below the knees. Yeah, but didn't you say that? Right, Shirley's, Shirley's a diabetic. diabetic. And so I thought, that's not a deal breaker. So I sent the pictures. I, I did like a side-by-side comparison. And mm-hmm. I sent the pictures to Maddie. Because I was like, she'll tell me because she always says it don't look the same. And then I sent Not necessarily. I'm really bad at faces, too. Well, I sent uh, one of the comparisons to my friend Kathy and asked her if she thought they could be the same person. She was like, they definitely could be related if they're not, but I'd say yeah. And so then Maddie was like, yeah. And I was like, well, she always says no, so I may be on to something. (laughs) So I go back and I double-check the dates and the ages and all that stuff. And um, I, I... I text him saying he's coming. Got a mouse trap. <gasps> Does he really? Not a mouse. A no, mouse like, trap. Yeah, but like, is it set? No, it's one of those that you yeah. can't get your fingers in. You got to lift up the door. Okay. I mean, I, he don't shouldn't be holding it, but it's scary. No, it's not that panicky. Calm down. I thought he was gonna miss a finger. No. Uh-uh. How, how are I got we on time baby on this safe. One? I got baby safe mouse traps. We're on uh two twenty four minutes. Okay, so I got like six minutes yeah. left on this one. We live by a field, and whenever the farmer plows, the mice run over here, <laughs> and it's uh, one of the downfalls of living in the country. So that's what's up with the mouse trap. But they're baby safe. It's fine. He ain't lose no fingers. Anyhow, so then I get Maddie to double check the dates and stuff because, you know, I don't want to be a dummy and be like, uh, oh, look, this is the same person. And then they're like, okay, but this one disappeared after we found that one. Yeah. So I got Maddie to check and she says, no, all the dates look good. Only thing was about the legs. But my theory is that if you were looking to identify somebody that was a double amputee, you probably were looking for people that are missing that are double amputees. Yeah. But if somebody with diabetes was living on the streets, it's very possible that they could have had to have their legs removed. Right. And then had time for those legs to heal and everything too. Right. And um, it was a couple years difference. So Shirley would have been gone for, I want to say three years. Yeah, I want to say three or four. Yeah, before they found China. So I feel like, um, I feel like it's a 
fairly good possibility. So I have turned it in and I've been contacted twice to say they are definitely looking into it. And I don't know if they're going to let me know or not because they said sometimes the police won't release the information for whatever reason. Lame. But, <clears throat> but I, I sent um, to both ends. Yeah. When I, I turned it in through NamUs. And I did the contact for both ends, for Richmond County and for the nursing home. Ooh, so maybe that's why you got contacted twice. Right. So I'm hoping that they'll, uh, one or both will get on it and one of them will let me know. Yeah. Anyway. And if they do, we will either update you on a podcast in the future or we will post it on our discussion group so you need to keep you need to follow us so you can keep updated. You do, but I'm gonna I'm post it everywhere. I'm gonna tell everybody because I'm gonna be so proud of myself. Y'all ain't gonna be able to stand me. Y'all gonna be like, Heifer, you do not shut your mouth. I swear. <laughs> That's how I'm gonna be. But if the news comes, I want to interview. I done told Matlin she got to do the interview because I don't do that. <laughs> but y'all ain't gonna be able to tell me squat. If, if, if it is, I'm gonna be like, look, look what we did, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm going to post the picture so y'all can compare and see. I even asked Zane about it, and Zane always is like, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> But he was like, I don't know, that does look a lot like the same part. Even the jaw is the same. So I was like, mm, I could be on this one. Because all these people always telling me no. <laughs> and here I am getting a yes. <laughs> so, anyway, I'll let y'all know, though. Y'all will know. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to move on to Joseph Franklin Summerall. And this is a weird story. It's a weird, weird story. All right, I'm ready. This is the one because this is a weird story. He's a 37-year-old white male. And he is six foot tall and weighs 220 pounds. So he's not a small dude. Mm Mm-mm. He's listed as bald, but in all his pictures that I have, he's got, like, real shortcut red hair. What? Okay. So, I don't know if they were old pictures or what. I mean, it is really shortcut, but you can tell he's a redhead. Yeah. He has blue eyes, and he was last seen on August 13th, 2016. Joseph was dropped off at home from work by his father. All right. So his father drives him home. He's tuck and rolled out the truck. Dad's like, bye now, and leaves. Joseph rented a room in this house off of Maddox Drive, and the landlord saw him when he got home. Yeah. So we got the father and the landlord. They both seen. They both know what he's wearing and everything. Everything seems fine, right? He does not show up to work for the next two days. The landlord sees him go in the house? Sees him at the house. I don't know if he was in the house, but saw him at the house. Gotcha. The, he doesn't show up for work for the next two days. And so his father's like, let me go check on him. So he pops up at the house and he's like, you know, where's he at? Landlord says he hasn't seen him. He hasn't seen him since he got dropped off that day, since that day he got dropped off. Hmm. And so they look around and there is no sign of him. There's no sign that he left. There's nothing. Yeah. Okay. Here's where the story gets weird. So, um, remember I said this was August 13th, 2016. Jeremy's son, also named Jeremy Summerall, 16 at the time. 
he goes missing in November hmm. of the same year. Same name, goes missing the same year. But, and this is just four months later. Yeah. But, the younger Jeremy, however, was found three years later working at a business in Evans. You mean still in the CSRA? Like, still, like, what, five minutes from Augusta? Like, it's the same place. Right, like, they border. So, if you don't know, Augusta and Evans border each other. You would cross from one to the other without even knowing it. Like, I don't even think Evans has any signs that are, like, welcome to Evans or whatever. No, because I would say Evans is Augusta. Yeah, it's like a... um, not a suburb, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like a part. It's like a part of Augusta. So he's, yeah, he's still there, but nobody's seen him. <laughs> he's been missing for three years. Nobody knew where he was. And then one day somebody sees him that knows him at this business where he's working in Evans. And how, I don't understand how nobody like, I mean, it took him three years to find him, and he's still there? Yeah, so, but the way I understand it is just legitimately, out of the clear blue, somebody that knew him just walked into this business one day, and he was there. And they were like, uh, we thought you were missing. And what did he say? Um, I don't know what he said to them, but... A very close family friend named Amanda Teston said she spoke to the younger Jeremy after he was found because she wanted to find out what was going on. And this is um, basically what what he told her. It's not word for word, but it is what he told her. The gist. Yes. He told her that he doesn't have a good relationship with his father, that he never had a relationship with his father, and that he doesn't particularly care for him too much. But his father's missing. Right. So that's a weird way to say it. Yeah. She is just like, because he's worked up, she's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. She thought it was weird because he had disappeared right after his dad did. But she's like, I'm just going to let that be that and not push this any further because, you know, she ain't wanting to disappear again probably. Mm -hmm. But... The way he said it, that is the way he said it. Have. So, who reported the son missing? My assumption would be his mother if his dad did not have a... Well, I mean, the dad was gone. The dad was missing, so it couldn't have been him. So, my assumption is his mother. All right. So, when somebody's reported missing, unless that information is made available to the the different sources, NamUs, the Charlie Project, whatever, yeah, unless that information is made available mm-hmm. as part of the story, it's not just a fact they put in. So gotcha. You really don't know, unless it's part of the story, who reported yeah. anything. Interesting. Missing. I didn't know that. In... April of 2021, so not long ago, human remains were found in the 3900 block of Wrightsboro Road, Mm -hmm. um, off of Wrightsboro Road near Jimmy Diaz Parkway. That's just a mile and a half from where 
the older Jeremy lived mm-hmm. at the time. So it's very close to where he was. So of course the family is thinking this may be him. I went back and double checked to see if they had updated as of yet. They have not identified the remains. Now the I know the crime lab is like super backed up. That's what they always say. And I know they're taking forever on a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is one that fell through the cracks. If they identified him. Not identified him. If they compared him to Jeremy and then said, no, he doesn't match. And the family knows that. Mm -hmm. And they just never said it to the news. But I could not find a comparison for him, and I could not, which, I mean, that happened last week on the Millbrook twins. I couldn't find any comparisons, and then I said that, and then when I went back, all of a sudden, there was all these comparisons, and I was like, I know good and well these things were not here, because I checked twice. Yeah. So, now all of a sudden, they're all over it. Anyway. Um, I did go back and check. I searched the news. I searched the body. I looked... um, looked all over and to my knowledge they have not updated that the remains were identified so that's that you got like theories on that that was a weird one that was a weird one and I'm kind of suspicious of the younger one of the son I'm a little suspicious part of me okay because he disappeared a little after that it makes sense to kind of be suspicious but when he said i don't have a relationship with him Mm -hmm. i've never had a relationship with him and i don't really care for him these are present tense yeah which means in my mind that it's possible he actually had been in contact with the father Recently, so you think the father's still alive? I think it could be. He could have disappeared, and the son's pissed because he's like, you know, you ditched me out. Yeah. But he may have had contact with the son. The son knows that he's not dead, and that's why the son's mad. And the son never said why he disappeared for three years? Not that I saw. And when you go back, anytime someone is found, they don't update the case. They just say uh, reconciled or whatever. What the heck? So they don't update the case. And his mother had nothing to say. I could not find anything from the mother in any of the newspapers or whatever. So I found about the son in the newspaper. And I was, no, that's not strictly true. When I searched the name, it popped up the same year with the same name. But then the picture is vastly different. And I was like... Well, that's not my guy, but what are the chances that two dudes disappear? And then it says from Hepzibah, and I'm like, what are the chances that two dudes disappear from the same area in the same year and they have the exact same name? So And weird. so then I was like, let me, let me look into this. Uh-huh. And then when I started searching, that is when I found out his son had disappeared the same year. What the heck? But now that I'm thinking back on it, I do remember seeing news stories of when he was found. Yeah. And people were pretty shocked about because people thought, you know, something bad had happened. And all this time he's just working at some yeah. place. 
What kind of place? I'm I'm imagining that like a know. tire place. I don't know, but um, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of businesses over there, and honestly, you probably haven't gone into eighty percent of them. So, mm-hmm. it would be something that you just know. I mean, it wouldn't be Walmart or anything that mm-hmm. people go into. It would have to be something you know that people just occasionally <laughs> need, like a tires plus or something. yeah, something. And so, how sketch? I'm really like sketch about the sun. I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, you know, for all we know, the human remains could have that. That is very close yeah, to his house. Very it could close. have been him, but he's by far not the only one to go missing in the no. general area. So. <laughs> no, as we've learned exactly. in this whole um, four episode. I want to say rally. What's the right word? Four episode Mar- series. Yeah, series. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> rally marathon. Whatever we're doing, <laughs> we've learned there are a ton of people that are missing a- in this area. So it are- could be anybody. Yeah. I don't know. I wish they'd get on it though. Me too, because I'd like to close some of these cases. Exactly. Or at least know what happens. I'd like to see if any of our theories are legit. Yes. So next we have Byron Elliott Speller. It's going to be super quick. Okay. 24 year old black male, black hair, brown eyes, 6'2, 180 pounds. Byron was last seen on June 29th, 2018. And here's where the story falls apart as soon as there is any facts. According to NamUs and a couple other sources, he was seen leaving the AMPM gas station on Gordon Highway at Wheelis Road mm-hmm. and has not been seen since. But a news story on WRDW says that he was last seen on Wrightsboro Road, which is parallel to Gordon Highway. Yeah. They don't cross that I can recall. Don't ask me. Okay. I can't recall them crossing. They might. <laughs> you looked at me like I was going to know. And girl, I, I still have to use the GPS to get to your house. <laughs> Not and, really, but. And his car was found on Lumpkin Road, which I believe runs parallel to Wheelis Road. So, I don't know. Yeah. I wish we had more information, but. The news story says one thing, the NamUs, which generally gets their stuff from the police, yeah, says something totally different. And these roads, um, Wrightsboro Road does cross Lumpkin. Lumpkin Road crosses Wrightsboro Road, but they're not really in the same area. They're... I mean, they're in the same area, but I mean, they're not like within a couple blocks of each other. They're miles apart at least. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I mean, these are important details, so somebody should have got it right. Yeah, somebody's wrong. Exactly. Then on April 13th of 2022, so very recently, 53 year old Freddie Jean Morgan was last seen in the 5200 block of Story Mill Road. So that's in Hepsula. He was driving his white Chevy Malibu with Georgia tags. The tag was Yak 
Why AK-227? Sounds like, no, I'd have noticed that. (laughs) He was known to frequent the areas of Highway 25 and Winter Road. And I don't even know what that means. I don't know if there is a business there that I'm just not clocking or... And why wouldn't they say, you know, he's known to hang out at the grocery store on this corner? Yeah. Right up and down the road, I guess. Right. I, I don't know exactly what that means. Freddie is 5'11", 190 pounds, gray hair, and brown eyes. And I'm going to tell you, I probably shouldn't, but I am. I'm going to tell y'all that Freddie, to me, looks like he could have been cast as a mobster in any movie. Like, I feel like he's somebody that you would notice. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you know, some people just kind of blend in like I blend in maybe because I try not to draw attention to myself because I don't it scares me when people talk to me I get panicky so (laughs) (laughs) so um maybe that's just why but some people you see them and you're like you would notice them and I feel like this dude would be noticed yeah like he y'all see what I mean when y'all see the picture I'm not saying it in a bad way at all I'm just saying that that's what he reminds me of and so I feel like if I had seen him he would have stood out to me yeah but this was a year ago and I honestly I don't I don't remember hearing this story Hmm. and there was like zero information my assumption is that freddie like some of the other ones may have been having a couple episodes of alzheimer's or dementia or you know just forgetfulness i don't know if maybe nobody caught it or if you know sometimes it's hard to take people's keys off of them i don't know so, but that is the last of our stories from Aiken and Richmond County. So, Matlin's going to solve the mystery as to why there are so many disappearances in this area. Go. Crime and shoddy police work. I do think some of the police work is sketch. I do believe we've learned that. Yeah. I also think the fact that we have um, the interstate running straight through. And you got Bobby Jones, and you've got which Bobby Jones will take you to either the interstate or into South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I feel like the area has a lot of good escape routes. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. You got Highway 178. These are, there are a lot of roads out. Yeah. Some places there's not that many roads out. True. But there are a lot of roads out of this. And a area. lot of like, it's a lot of, how do I put this? Like, there's a, it's big enough that there's a lot of people and a lot of businesses and a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it's also very woodsy and very right. swampy. It's, yes, and yes. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of places to hide a body. Yes. But there's also like a lot of places like. There are a lot of people. In. So you can blend in, but there are a lot of places to put somebody if you needed to and the masters a lot of these cases were in the spring which is around the time when thousands of people travel to the masters 
that you may be on to something because we did bring that up mm-hmm. that a lot of these cases were in March in particular. March and April, and yeah. the Masters happens. Um, March and well, April. Well, it will be last week from when this airs, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty close. I, I think those are all good theories. Plus, these counties are pretty big counties. Yeah. There's also a lot of um, of workers that traveled yeah, to, around the time, like um, for SRS, for mm-hmm. um, for Plant Vogel, mm-hmm. and different places like that. There were a lot of travelers also. So, okay. Um, I am almost done, but I just want to... Uh, say something real quick because i did not know this and i want to share just in case it helps anybody else out there because maybe y'all don't know about it either but um we've talked about several elderly people wandering off and being lost right and so i want to mention project lifesaver which was um i just saw mentioned one time in miss jean's story in, in a newspaper article. And then I had to go look it up to see, you know, really what it was. But basically, they have these wristbands mm-hmm. and the police put them on. And so, if, and anybody with a diminished capacity can, yeah. can get these. So, it doesn't just have to be an elderly person. But say you take um, your grandma up there and you're like she's been wandering and i'm concerned she's gonna climb out her window and go to a party you take her to the police station Mm -hmm. they put this bracelet on her and she cannot get it off the police have to take it off now is it like um like a hospital bracelet where you could just like cut it off with scissors no they said the police will have to remove it so my guess is that I mean, I'm sure that, yeah, you can Somebody, get yeah, it off. Yeah. But will these 90-year-old people be able to get it off? Probably no. not. Will, you know, a kid with um, with autism mm-hmm. be able to get it off? Yeah, some of them. Some of them are brilliant. And then some of them will just not be able to, to figure that out. Yeah. And so their brilliance is in some other way. Because I think kids with autism, like, they have a specialty mm-hmm. that, like, they're genius at. Oh, yeah. And, but then other stuff that you think anybody in the world should know this, they just are, it's not how they're wired. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I think. They like, some of them have a specialty. I'm sure some of them's specialty is removing bracelets. Yeah. But um, for the majority of them, it could help. And so it gives off a low frequency radio signal and the police can track that if they wander off. If the battery goes dead, the battery lasts for like three months. If the battery goes dead, the police come, they replace the battery. Okay. So the police have to handle it. It's a program that that is based in law enforcement where they are the ones to install it. They're the ones that would take it back. They're the ones that would change the batteries. But, and they're the ones that would be able to track it. It's very interesting. I don't know why um, that's not more well known then. Exactly. And, you know, like I said, so my grandmother, my great-grandmother, I call her my grandmother because um, I don't know if we've said this, but there's some family issues there. I was not <laughs> close with my grandmother. 
So, um, and I may or may not have talked about it. If I have, we'll say it's allegedly. And um, <laughs> so my great grandmother was actually who I called my grandmother. Yeah. Which everybody did. Everybody that knew her called her Grandma Phillips. Mm-hmm. Well, she started towards the end. Um, she's probably in her 80s. She started getting dementia. And we tried to keep an eye on her. But, you know, it starts slow at first. Yeah. And so she's perfectly normal. And then she'll just say something. And you're like, what? And so we would go over there like every Wednesday for for a family dinner. And she would make the same meal. I mean, delicious food. Everything's fine. When she was quirky, I think I've talked about that before. Like, she was pretty quirky. And, um, you know, we'd watch wrestling because that was her favorite was wrestling. Everything would be fine. And then she'd be like, um, Sully from Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. You know Mm -hmm. how I'm talking about long hair, good looking dude. Mm -hmm. He was shooting her with a laser beam when she was trying to sleep. (laughs) And so... We're like, no, at first it was somebody was shooting lasers in her house. And she lived out, you know, she had a couple neighbors, but she was on a dirt road. I told you, you got to cross a creek to drive down to get to her house from this road. So she was kind of out there, but, you know, kids do stupid shit. And so, you know, you're like, yeah, is it somebody messing with her or what? Well, she more and more started um, complaining about this. Well, at some point, my um, the one that should be my grandmother, she decides to move back in with my grandma. And this is her mother, right? So she decides to move back in. And that was when my grandma Phillips decided it was Sully that was shooting her. And, um, and this was back in the day. And this is a good-looking dude, right? Yeah. And so... Uh, She's saying it, you know, I'm kind of a smart ass. And so she's like, at this point, we had moved her in a trailer in the front yard of my trailer, which was mm-hmm. in the side yard of my parents' house. Yeah. Because they own like a butt ton of land. Yeah. So, you know, it's not, we weren't like right on top of each other, but we did pass her house to get out. But this is so we could keep an eye on her, but still mm-hmm. give her some freedom and stuff. And um, so we could go. Yeah, this is going to be a longer story if I get off in the tangent, so I won't. Okay, so (laughs) in any case, so um, Hazel decides to move in with her so she can kind of help out. And uh, no, she didn't. And so uh, in any case, this is when Grandma Phillips is like, Sully is the one shooting her. She saw him. He was in the woods. And he's shooting her with these lasers. And I'm like... But dang, Grandma, send him down to my house. Because <laughs> this dude's good looking. And so, um, and she's like, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know on Little House on the Prairie, them uh, nightgowns that Mary and Lauren uh, mm-hmm. and Carolyn be wearing where they come up to like the chin. Yeah. And they're like long sleeve down to the ground. I mean, covers everything but your head yeah. and your hands and your feet, right? And my grandma Phillips says, 
It's not funny. It's Hazel's fault because she's always wearing them skimpy nightgowns. Ooh. This is the nightgown that Hazel was wearing. <laughs> I swear, she took it from the costume shop <laughs> at Little House on the Prairie. You legitly could not have got more covered up. If you put on gloves and socks, Mm. There's not a part of your body but your face <laughs> showing. I mean, this nightgown is up to the chin. Like it folded out, like like one of them Henry the Eighth collars <laughs> around your head. Like she legitly could not be more covered. She's like she's always wearing them skimpy nightgowns. <laughs> Girl, I about fell out oh. in the ground. <laughs> you was born, and she swore. That you were born with teeth. And I was like, Shh, but she wasn't. And she's like, yes, yeah, she she come out with teeth. I saw her with teeth. And I'm like, but she wasn't. <laughs> so usually you wouldn't argue with somebody. You would just be like, that is what happened. But she would try to feed you stuff, like <laughs> pork chops and stuff. And you're like three months old <laughs> and she's like trying to hand you legit food and i'm like she can't have that and she's like she's got teeth she legitimately does not yes she does she was born with them i saw it and i'm like that's not true that's not a thing so but uh she used to see these bird people mm-hmm and um, they were like bird heads. I picture them like the things from um, Beetlejuice with the bird beak heads. Oh, yeah. But I don't really know because she didn't really describe them. She just called them bird people. And she'd get real mad because they would dig holes in her floor and stuff. And she'd have to walk around really? the holes. But interestingly enough, the holes were in the same spot. Like she saw the holes and she would walk around them. But, like, if you came today and then you came back next week, that hole was in the same spot. Huh. Yeah. None of y'all tried to fix the hole? Well, you could tell her that, but we were more, honestly, we were more concerned with, uh, so, I was married to somebody else at the time, and she did not like him because she thought he was helping the bird people dig holes in her wall. So, these holes were her windows, mm-hmm. but she was positive he had dug these holes in her mm. wall, and he didn't even apologize for it. Man. And so, she was she was pissed. And so, she was like, I'm off shooting. And so, and she had a gun. And, um, and so, we it's were like. Sight. <laughs> right. And so, um, he smoked, and, and I don't smoke. I never have, and I have it in my house. And so he used to go sit out on the front porch and smoke. Well, he had quit that habit with a quickness when she said, I'm going to shoot him. Because she was in the front yard. You know, she was yeah. a good ways away. I doubt she could have hit him. But you never know. You never know. So he went to the back and he'd smoke in the back. He'd sit out there on the steps in the back and smoke. He'd be sneaking in. <laughs> it, was, it was not funny, but it was. Well, we would go up whenever she would leave and go to the doctor or something, like somebody would take her to the doctor. Everybody else would run up there and toss her house and take all her bullets, take her guns, whatever. Well, at first, we just took all her bullets because we're like, if we unload everything, we just take all her bullets. She can't do nothing. She won't yeah. buy more. Some dumbass in the family, not our, like in the extended family, bought her more bullets. Are you stupid? Yes. The answer is yes. 
So then we found that out. Um, You wouldn't know them, but I'm not going to name them. So anyway, uh, we found that out. So then we got serious and we went on and took the guns because we like, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's crazy, but he's an idiot. So we took out the guns. This heifer come out with like a ninja sword. Why did she get a ninja sword? I don't know. But she had a ninja sword in her bedroom. We went up there to toss it and make sure she ain't getting no more guns or anything. She's got a ninja sword in the room. I'm like, what in the hell? Oh, my God. And I mean like a long, like longer than my arm <laughs> ninja Where sword. Where even get and a ninja exactly. sword? Exactly. And I'm like, what do we do with this? Like, do we take it? Do we just assume somebody can overpower this 80-something-year-old woman? She's pretty tough, so we weren't sure. <laughs> um, we found like machetes and stuff, and we're like, "Where is she getting this stuff?" Man, we did not know. And she was ready for a battle, then. <laughs> I mean, she was gonna protect herself. <laughs> she has something else. One right before she quit driving, she got pulled over, and uh in Richmond County, and the cop come up to her, and she said, "You know." In my 80 odd years of driving, it wasn't because she was only 80-something. And she was like, I ain't never had a ticket. And he said, he said, well, Miss Phillips, I'm honored to be the first. And she said, you're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. So she was something else. She she was something else. But she was more dementia than Alzheimer's, but I mean, she was something. Yeah. So, well, we gotta go because we're running out of time. Uh-oh. So, all right. Well, thank thanks for joining us for our um, uh, podcast, and happy Easter to you guys. Happy Easter, and share us with somebody that is a trip, somebody that makes you laugh. Yeah. All right. So. Y'all know our social medias this week. Yeah, y'all know. We will catch you later. Bye. Bye.